I'm John Bond. Welcome to Move Yourself Happy. Made for fitness enthusiasts who want to make their passion their profession. Are you unhappy in your present job? Are you passionate about health and fitness? Do you want to release your true potential? If the answer is yes, this podcast is for you. I will be teaching you the specific knowledge that every trainer and coach needs to be successful. So listen closely as I share my expertise with you. So just like me, you can love what you do. Welcome back. Now, in the last episode, I talked about the benefits of exercise and physical activity, and I covered the amount of exercise that we as trainers, but also our clients, should be doing to maximize those benefits, how intense and, and the amount they should be doing. Now, today, I want to talk about stabilization, and I'm going to do that here on Chanctonbury Ring. You might be thinking, well, what's the relevance of that? Well, not a huge amount, actually. Uh, other than the fact that I had to walk a few miles to get here with a heavy backpack in what I call barefoot walking shoes. And that has a lot of relevance to stabilization, which I'm going to come to. So first of all, why am I talking about stabilization? Well, at Storm, Storm Fitness Academy, can't even pronounce my own business, Storm Fitness Academy, we use something called a resistance training pyramid. Now, it's a pyramid that kind of we were inspired to design off the back of um, the National Strength and Conditioning Association um, and, and some other kind of uh, awarding bodies, I guess, or notable bodies in the industry where we've sort of plucked bits of information. We've come up with our own, our own system and it's a system that we've been using for a while and it works really well and it's great for clients because it helps clients get great results, you know, in the most fast and efficient way but it's great for our trainers and coaches because it means that they have a system so when it comes to programming they can work their their clients through this system or work their clients up the pyramid and where they get happy clients that get great results but it takes away some of the thinking not all of the thinking but it takes away some of the thinking so anyway let me explain what i'm talking about now this is word in the strength and conditioning industry called periodization now periodization you may have heard of before, you may not, but it's basically breaking up your training into periods or phases. And the idea being is that if we just keep doing the same thing repeatedly, again and again and again, not only do we plateau, but we can also get overuse injuries. And there's only so many benefits from a training session you can get in one training session. So if we, if we try and tackle everything at one time, like in one session or in one week, then we tend to dilute the potency of the training effect, which basically means if you're, you're trying to improve your muscle endurance, your maximal strength, your relative strength, your stability, uh, your lactate threshold, your creatine phosphor, your phosphocreatine system, or all these different things that you could potentially work towards. If you try and do it all at one time, you're not going to get terribly great improvements because there's too much going on. You're confusing the body. The body doesn't know how to adapt or what to adapt to. So this is why we recommend that you focus on phases. And like I said, at Stall Fitness Academy, we've put together a resistance training pyramid that focus on different phases of training. Now, this isn't set in stone. You might, as, as I discuss this over the next few episodes, you might take elements of it and, and kind of construct your own. But what I would really like trainers and coaches take away from this is that you do have a system, you have a sort of a plan that ensures that your clients 
um, achieve their goals and, and in a safe, efficient way. And that's what our, our pyramid does. So we're going to start right at the bottom of the pyramid. So right at the bottom of the pyramid is where you start. And that is stabilization. And we, we use stabilization because right at the bottom because it's almost like the prerequisite to all the other training. So it's like training to train. So what is stabilization? Well, let's start there. So stabilization is all about stabilizing your muscles, preventing unwanted movement while stationary or whilst moving. So I mentioned about my walk here. So I, let, me, let me take these off and show you. So these, uh, and by the way, I have no affiliation to this organization. <laughs> I don't get any commission, um, but Vivo Barefoots, these are what I, I've currently been wearing for quite, quite a while now, um, certainly at least a year. I've got a few pairs, see, these are the trail running ones actually, but I've also got hiking boots and I've got some others that I wear just for sort of indoors gym stuff. And uh, the reason, let me try and put the shoe back on without falling over. The reason I wear these is because they have maximal flexibility in the sole and the all the, all the shoe really does is protect my feet from sort of cuts and um, punches and things like that. Other than that, it's very, very much like the sensation that I'm walking in bare feet. So I actually feel the ground and my feet can flex and extend and all the bones and the ligaments inside my feet um, do their job, what they were designed and built to do. So my feet are almost like my first phase of stability. So they are helping to stabilize my body. And by wearing these barefoot shoes, I develop that further. Now, when we wear shoes with thick soles, we start to lose that ability. Now, there's a ton of research on this, and there's loads of data out there. You can Google it, read all about it. Uh, it's very, very interesting. It all makes a lot of sense. Now, obviously there is an argument. A lot of people say, well, you know, if you spent 40 years adapting your body to walk on thick soles, is suddenly introducing yourself to barefoot walking or running or training, sensible possibly not there possibly needs to be a transition phase where you you bring it in slowly however i have been wearing these for not just th this particular brand for a year but i've been doing the barefoot thing for a while now and i have less problems with my knees well i have no problems with my knees i used to get niggles in my knees when i used to exercise don't get that at all now um, don't get anything in my hips either I used to get hip uh, hip pain so i just i get less niggles so I, I have to say from that point of view, I'm loving it. And it, it kind of agrees with the research. That's what the research says is that my feet are doing the, they're absorbing the ground reaction forces rather than it being transferred to my knees and my hip. So when we go back to the guidelines that I talked about in the last episode, where it's recommended that we do exercises that promote balance and stability to prevent falls as we're getting older, just trying some barefoot stuff is going to tick those boxes because my feet now are much more sensitive they're more um at one with nature uh that sounds very out there doesn't it but um genuinely you know they're they're doing what they're meant to do um, and i just feel so much more stable and supported and i'm not uh, overusing my knees and my hips as a result so that's one thing you can do now uh, let's just talk about stabilization as a whole so i mentioned that your stability muscles also known as fixators prevent unwanted movement so when you think about doing any type of exercise or day-to-day -day activity there's going to be unwanted movement which we're trying to prevent now if i'm in the gym and i'm doing any type of leg exercise then i i don't want my knees 
going too far in, I don't want my knee going too far out. So then the muscles around my hip girdle, like the glutes, etc., they will stabilize my knee and stop it from going in the wrong direction. Now, if you're using a resistance machine, now there's gonna be a, a degree of that going on, but nowhere near as much as when we're doing things like free weight exercises and body weight exercises. So yes, barefoot weight. Next thing you wanna start thinking about is body weight exercises and free weights because there's gonna be a lot more stabilizing going on to conduct those movements sort of safely and efficiently. So we've got the movements that sort of stabilize the hip girdle, sorry, the muscles that stabilize the hip girdle. So we need to think about that. You've also got the muscles that stabilize the shoulder girdle. So like your rotator cuff muscles. If I'm doing, if I'm on a chest press machine and I'm pressing the bar backwards and forwards, well, it's a machine, which means it can't go up, it can't go down, it can't go side to side, it can only go back and forwards. So as far as the strengthening the, the fixator muscles and the stabilizing muscles of the shoulder, there's very little of that actually going on. Whereas if I'm lying back on a bench with dumbbells and the dumbbells can go this way, that way, then there's a lot more stability going on. Not only that, but I'm also having to keep myself engaged, all these muscles around my spine engaged so that I'm supported on the bench. So think about stabilization of the hips, stabilization of the ankles, stabilization of the shoulders. And the other one we've got is obviously our spine. And that's the one I guess people talk about the most when someone says stability, they think about the spine. And yeah, preventing unwanted movement of the spine. Now, if you're doing things like heavy back squats, doing things like deadlifting, your technique's got to be so good that you will be strengthening your stabilizing muscles within the spine. Now, a lot of people argue that if you're doing heavy back squats and you're doing heavy deadlifts, you don't need to do any type of stability work at all. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know uh, because you, there's, there's as many people arguing for that as there are arguing against it. Um, I do do both. So, you know, yes, I do a, I'll do a phase of training where I'm just focusing on trying to get strong and I probably am going to be developing some stability if I'm using good technique when I'm doing that. But I also do a phase of training that's focused on stabilization. So I guess I lean more towards, yeah, we should spend time focusing on just stabilization than just accepting, just expecting to get good results by lifting heavy deadlifts and doing heavy back squats. Plus not everyone wants to do heavy lifting. So that's to be considered as well. Uh, so we've got things that we can do to work on stabilization of the spine. Now you've got stability balls, which obviously are, are great. Um, and, but you, you do have to be careful that you don't get too, too overly creative with exercise on a stability ball. Cause you know, they I was going to say I've seen trainers, but I think actually I haven't, I think I've just imagined this or, or seen people taking the mickey on YouTube, but I was going to say I've seen trainers. <laughs> like balancing on their knees, you know, doing single overhead shoulder presses uh, in gyms. I don't think I have actually, I think I've just seen that on YouTube of people taking the mickey out of those types of trainers, but maybe they exist. But the point is you're not training somebody to compete in the circus or whatever. You're training someone to strengthen their spine, to prevent injuries, um, to improve their general well-being and performance if they're an athlete. So we, there, there, does, be, there, there does become a point where you don't need to keep challenging the stability anymore, like balancing on one leg on a stability ball, juggling kettlebells, for example. Um, but stability balls do create this sort of unstable surface where, yeah, you're gonna get more things engaging around the, the spine. Now, where sometimes people go, oh, I hate stability balls, you know what? They're just, the trouble is when you do something on a stability ball, you can't lift to your full potential, um, so you lose strength, correct. 
which is why we have a stability phase where the main gains we're concerned with during that stability phase is stability, is improving our stability. Now you'll be able to maintain some strength, um, but it's not your sole objective, it's not your sole goal during that phase. Remember, we're sort of training to train. We're, we're, we're training so that our future selves are going to thank us for it because we're reducing injury risk and we're going to actually be better in our performance because you've probably heard the expression before, you can't fire a cannon out of a canoe, which basically means if you've got a weak core, the, the energy transference from the floor through your legs is going to dissipate when it gets to your core and you're, you're not going to be as powerful. A boxer throwing a punch, if they've got a strong core, they're going to punch harder. Um, a, a baseball player, there's numerous examples where you need that transference of, of energy and force through the body and you don't want the spine to be that weak, weak link. So that's where stability is really important. So as I said, a phase of training focused on stability. And that's where you can be doing things like, you know, more barefoot training uh, for your ankle stability, uneven surfaces. When I walked here, I'm obviously walking on the downs. A lot of the surface is very uneven. So it's challenging my ankle stability a lot more. So my ankles are getting stronger. And it's not just the muscles, it's the tendons and the ligaments. They're getting thicker and stronger more robust, more resilient to uh, those, those uneven surfaces and those changes in movement. And my proprioception, so my kind of awareness of my body in space is getting better, which also helps reduce injury risk. And again, particularly as I'm getting older. So you've got that. You've also got, you've got things like wobble boards. You might have seen them like bozal balls and things. Uh, when, we, when you're doing exercise on those that are challenging, again, balance, not just the stability of the spine, but also still the hips and still the ankles because it becomes harder to keep everything in alignment. So we're challenging those, those, those areas as well. Now, I'll just reiterate, yes, you're not going to be able to lift to your full potential. So if you're trying to do your normal barbell back squat on a bozal ball with the regular load that you lift, that's ridiculous. You're not going to be able to do that. So you will have to compromise on that load. So just be sensible. Start off with no load and just gradually build up from there. So we've got uneven surfaces, you know, different terrains, uh, bozal balls, wobble boards, um, doing things on one leg. So you, we call it unilateral training. Anything on one leg is going to challenge stability more than doing things on two legs. Um, using a one arm. When we, when we do one arm, apart from the fact that we can look for differences between the left and the right side of the body. So I'm left-handed, so I will naturally notice that I'm more dominant on my left side. And when we do things individually, we can just see how big that deficit is and, and look at ways to, to even that out a bit more. If we balance the left and the right side, less risk of things like scoliosis. Um, so that's really important. And so we've got one arm, one leg, uneven surfaces. I'm going through like a checklist in my head as I'm saying it. Um, and then we've got the actual just focusing on the stability of the core as well. So the stability balls, as I mentioned, um, kettlebell training is really good for it as well. So when you're using kettlebells, um, if you're swinging a kettlebell above your head, you're moving your center of gravity. So in order to, to stop yourself from flying backwards, not only have the, um, the fixator muscles in your shoulder got to lock that shoulder in place, you've got the same within the spine as well. So kettlebell training is great for stability. When you're doing a, a kettlebell clean, as it comes into your shoulder, your, uh, your stabilizing muscle, your spine are preventing rotation. So you've got anti-rotation going on because the, the kettlebell comes in tightly into the shoulder. And if you didn't lock in those anti-rotation muscles, 
you would rotate, your torso would rotate, so we lock that in. Okay, so we've got uneven surfaces, bozal balls, stability balls, single leg training, single arm training, kettlebells. Um, you can also do carries. So big fan of carries. I'll tell you who introduced me to carries, Dan John. Uh, not personally, just by reading his books. I read it I, back in the day, I think when I first got into the industry, I, I, I kind of fell in love with his blog posts and then just bought all these books and read them all. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Dan John is a strength and conditioning coach. He's actually um, an RE teacher, I think, in the States, but he, he's the S&C coach for um, the university team that he works at or was, certainly was. He's got something like 30, 40 years experience in the industry. And he was, he's won the Highland Games a few times, so he's a very strong guy. Anyway, he always suggests that, you know, you should be putting carries into your training. So for our stability phase of training, yes, we've got stability balls in there. We've got single arm training in there, single leg training in there, um, but we have got carries as well. And typically with carries, I mean, you can use different implements. Um, it depends on what you've got access to. We tend to focus on dumbbells and kettlebells because we know most people got access to those but you can use anything you know sandbags etc and when when it comes to carrying you've got single arm or two arm and you've got positions so you've got hip shoulder overhead so if we start with single arm when you grab hold of a dumbbell or a kettlebell and you just hold it by your side next to your hip we call that a suitcase walk so that suitcase walk there everything's having to tighten up, your shoulder girdles having to lock in place to stop your shoulders from depressing, and your spine is having to prevent that sort of additional arching of the spine, or thoracic arching, which we call a kyphosis. So you've got lots of things going on there, and we don't want to obviously drop to the side, so we don't want a, what we call a, a lateral deviation of the spine. So we hold that in nice and tight, and you can do that for, for time, you can do that for a certain distance. So we call that a suitcase walk. Now, if you took that dumbbell or kettlebell and you brought it up into what we call the rack position where it's just tucked in neatly by your shoulder, and then there we can call that a, um, we call it the rack position. <laughs> so here, it's like as if you're gonna go into a front squat. So you're holding it there and you're gonna go into a front squat, holding it cl close into the shoulder. Um, but we walk with it instead. So you've got that position there. And then from there, you can actually go overhead. So you'd hold the dumbbell or the kettlebell above your head, and we call that a waiter's walk. Now you can do both of these. You can do obviously with two hands. I kind of like, I prefer to do things single-handed because for obvious reasons, it's, it's challenging that stability more. It's harder to maintain that upright posture. Um, so that's my preference, but you can do two hands. So just to reiterate, you've got holding something heavy by your hip, holding something heavy up by the shoulder like you're in that front rack position or holding something heavy above your head. You can do that for walk walks. You could, if you wanted to combine that with another movement pattern, you could do that with uh, walking lunges. You can do it on step ups, walking up and down a step. Um, so there's a few options there. Okay, so part of the stabilization phase. Let me just conclude this because I've been waffling for too long. Do apologize. <laughs> Stabilization is all about preventing unwanted movement while stationary or whilst moving. So think about that when you're programming. Think about challenging stability in a stationary position but also whilst moving. The benefit to that is we prevent injury risk. So at a later date, if you ever have to do anything that's going to challenge your stability, you're ready for it, you've trained for it. So you're going to perform well in that way. 
We also can't fire a cannon out of a canoe, so you will be able to produce more power in your legs and your arms if you have a strong core. It connects those two segments of your body. And the ways to do it are doing things on unstable surfaces, um, doing things on bozal balls, wobble boards, stability balls, single legs, one arm, kettlebells, carrying things, carrying uneven weights as well is another thing that Dan John used to talk about a lot. I think that pretty much covers it. That's probably as much as you need to know about stability for now. So there we go. So that's what we tend to do is focus on a phase, get good, get competent at those movements within that phase of training, then you can move on to the next phase of training. And for us at Storm Fitness Academy, the next phase on that pyramid is muscular endurance. So it's taking what you've learned from stabilization, what you've developed, still continuing to sort of challenge that a bit more, but combine, combining that with some higher rep stuff, which is gonna get that muscle fatigue and train your muscles to not only be strong, but overcome the fatigue of repeated repetitions there we go so that's a little uh, little teaser for what you're going to be going through the next episode next episode we're going to talk about muscle endurance what are the benefits of building muscle endurance how can personal trainers and coaches program that for their clients to maximize their muscle endurance hope you enjoyed that have a good day stay active now if you enjoyed today's episode something you can do for me is subscribe to my show. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in this content, then please share it with them too. You can also head over to our socials and follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. But if you're ready to take that next step, visit our website, www.stormfitnessacademy.co.uk, fill out a contact form, that'll come straight to me. I will contact you shortly afterwards, and I look forward to speaking to you then.